Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude and over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. <laughs> okay, guys, we're back. And we're live. Oh, boy. Yeah. How's it going over there? Still trying to get the giggles out. I know, always. Um, how are you doing, Kyle? I'm hanging in there, Erin. Just got a new apartment, so I'm pretty, pretty freaking excited to... It's so nice. It's so nice. And I get to live all by myself, which is basically like the happiest happiest thing in the world i'm really envious of you yep like i love my kid and husband but god that would be so nice i love my alone time oh i know i really love hanging out with myself so this is <laughs> this is this was a good move and your cat and my cat hi <laughs> <Bye>, guys <laughs> <laughs> nope no um so let's see anything that we need to talk about before we get into the show this is a good one. I'm excited. We're, we cover a lot. We put out a um, post on Instagram about supplement questions because we knew we wanted to address some supplement questions that we already had. And um, whoa, we got a lot of them. So we're going to try to fire through as many as we possibly can. And um, why don't we just get started? Okay. So first question is from Nicole. Holistic supplements, do they actually work? Ooh, such a good way to start mm. it off. Um, I do think it's the, the best way to start off the show because I see so much confusion and skepticism from consumers when it comes to supplements. You know, on the one hand, we have people saying that supplements really only produce expensive urine, right? I think we've all heard that before. On the other hand, we have people telling us that there's no way we can get everything we need from food because the soils are so depleted that we must rely on supplementation. And, you know, while this is true, you know, sup the soil definitely is depleted, um, this message is often promoted by people that are that can stand to make a buck off of selling supplements. So just kind of keep that in mind. And I fall somewhere in the middle. I think, Kyle, you do too. Yeah, somewhere in the middle of these two places. Um, and I've actually been struggling with this in my own practice lately. So I'm excited to be able to explore this question with you guys on the show. I don't believe that all the people have to be on all the things all the time. Um, like, So just because you see something on Dr. Oz doesn't mean you necessarily have to be on it just, you know, because the rest of America is taking something. Um, I personally believe in targeted supplementation, which means you're taking a specific supplement for a specific reason. So if you get your B12 checked, for example, um, or more accurately, you get a functional marker of B12 like MMA or homocysteine, and you find out that your B12 is low, you can start supplementing with B12. Or if you do a salivary or urine hormone test and find out that your morning cortisol is low, you take an adaptogen to help to balance cortisol, to help to raise your morning cortisol. Um, so this is what I mean by by targeted supplementation. Um, other examples are if you're on a prescription drug that utilizes certain pathways and depletes nutrients. Uh, birth control pills um, is a very good example of this. They deplete some of the B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin E, and minerals like magnesium, selenium, and zinc. So it would make sense that you would be taking some of those nutrients um, through supplementation. And I don't think you necessarily have to be treated or, excuse me, have to be tested before you go on a supplement, but um, but it could be a good idea. I don't always do it in my practice, if I'm being honest. Um, if I have clients 
where I suspect adrenal fatigue or cortisol dysregulation, there are some supplements I'll recommend just based off of symptoms, and I feel pretty okay with that. But I've also, remember, done a complete health history on the client, so I do feel more comfortable doing something like that. Yeah, and that's a pretty common practice for most clinicians to start something based off your clinical judgment within the context of that person and their history, rather than only relying on labs or tests before you address something. Because as we know, a lot of people can't even afford all of the labs and tests. So part of our training is learning how to identify issues without them when a client can't even pay for them. For sure. Um And I think it's really important for people to understand that nutrients don't work alone. So just throwing supplements at your body and hoping for the best, it's really not as innocuous as some people make it out to be. Um, I'm going to keep using examples, specific examples to kind of explain what I'm talking about. Uh, Vitamin D supplements require sulfation. This is an example. So if there's a sulfate deficiency, then taking high doses of vitamin D can be problematic. It can potentially interfere with sulfation in the body. And heads up, sulfate levels depend on sun exposure, just like vitamin D does, which is why getting vitamin D from the sun is so important. Nutrients don't just exist in a vacuum. They need cofactors, which are other nutrients to help them do their job. So vitamin D works synergistically with vitamin K2. We know that vitamin D helps us absorb calcium, but K2 tells the calcium where to go. It can make sure that calcium is going to the bones and the teeth rather than soft tissue like organs and arteries. And this is really the issue that I see with taking supplements instead of getting our nutrients from food. There's a book called Whole by T. Colin Campbell. And I read this. It's an older book. I read it quite a few years ago. But it discusses this exact concept. And I think it's a pretty important concept. Um, But then again, on the other hand, it is true that our soils are depleted due to years of poor farming practices and the use of Roundup or glyphosate kills the microbes in the soil. And then on top of that, most people aren't eating a diet consisting of whole foods. So if you're eating a diet high in processed packaged foods, then sure, it it truly is much harder to obtain the nutrition that you need through food. Um, So again, I can see both, both sides of the coin here. And I do completely understand why there's some skepticism. There's certain practitioners that will just dump supplements on people. I know that chiropractors sometimes get a bad rap for this. And people can end up on buckets of supplementation without knowing why they're taking things or if they're even working. So if a practitioner is putting you on a supplement, I think there should be some type of exit strategy in place or at least have an understanding of, you know, is this something that I will take forever? Uh, Digestive enzymes for an example, are probably something that I will have to take forever because I messed up my gut pretty bad. I was bulimic for eight years and um, I just need help with digestion. I probably will forever. So that's something I'm like, okay, this is will, this will be a forever thing. But not all supplements are like that. Sometimes you just need to take some things to dig you out of a hole. Um, and it's kind of similar to what we talked about with elimination diets, right? It's like, don't just like Go follow this thing blindly without having an exit strategy. I'm I'm reading Ben Lynch's book Dirty Genes right now, and he talks about the concept of pulsing, which is basically taking a vitamin until you feel well, and then you stop taking it. Um, it's definitely an interesting concept. It's n- not anything that I've done or used in practice, at least not intentionally, but it makes sense. Um, But remember, in order to to do this, you'd have to be taking one supplement at a time to really know what's causing the desired effect, which is tough if you're taking a ton of supplements at once. So that's another thing to keep in mind if you are going to take supplements. Maybe just start with one, see how you do, see how it affects you before adding another one on. Um, But I'll close this out by saying, personally, I have had to rely on supplementations supplementation to pull myself out of a hole. And honestly, sometimes food really isn't enough, depending on what what the situation is. Adrenal fatigue, gut healing, SIBO treatment, autoimmune issues, circulatory problems, stress. These are all reasons that I personally have taken supplements. um, And I really wouldn't have achieved the level of healing that I did without them. Yeah, definitely. 
Same here. Cool. So let's move on to the next question, which is from Sage and C Apothecary. Am I saying that word right? Mm-hmm. Is this thing on? <laughs> uh, so this is actually a friend that I met. Her name is Kendallin, a friend that I met um, at the Hawthorne Farm Retreat Center, which um, I went to a workshop there a few months ago. We hit it off and became fast friends. We vox. She, oh, boy. She, she's a Voxer. Um, <laughs> so that's cool. You kind of have to be on Voxer if you want to be in my friend tree Truly. right now. <laughs> um, but anyway, remember that I am teaching a workshop there April 21st on Deep Detox. So come learn a thing or two, maybe meet a new friend. Anyway, she asks, are multivitamins worth it? If so, what's a good one? If not, how do I figure out what supplements are right for me? Tell me all your secrets. Since <laughs> most of my secrets involve tequila, Kyle, why don't we hand this one over to you? I have no secrets. I can't keep a secret, and all of my best friends can attest to that. <laughs> um, okay, so her first question was if multivitamins are worth it. And you're going to love this. The short answer is it depends. It depends on whether you're eating a whole foods diet with lots of color and variety. If you're eating the standard American diet, it depends on whether you have anything causing you to have increased needs for any vitamins or minerals, um, whether that's GI issues or even genetic factors like the MTHFR SNP that might increase your need for certain nutrients just in order for your body to function optimally. So basically everyone is different and Erin and I would never recommend everyone take the same supplement because of that fact. So with that said, there are some people um, who might benefit from taking a multi. So women of reproductive age trying to get pregnant or are pregnant, elderly, vegans. This probably isn't our audience, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, people who abuse alcohol. That might be our audience. That might be our audience. Um, anyone with malabsorption issues like IBD, IBS, eating disorders, people who follow fad diets or restricted diets because of food allergies, picky eaters, people with depression, anxiety, fatigue. Again, some people with genetic variations. Um, another thing to think about is whether you're taking any medications that put you at an increased risk for nutrient deficiencies, like the birth control Erin mentioned, or even something like metformin for diabetes. Um, both can deplete B vitamins. So yes, I think multivitamins can be super helpful for some people. Um, her next question was, if they are worth it, what's a good one? And there are a lot of things to consider when picking a multivitamin. And I'll, I'll just pick through some of them. Um, do you need one with or without iron? If you're anemic, for example, you'll probably need more than what's in a multivitamin to restore your levels. Or if you have something funky like hemochromatosis, um, which is a, con I love saying that word, if you couldn't <laughs> you, tell. Like, you sound wicked spot. I have like, like, yeah, my fingers and like guns, like, hey. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's a condition that causes iron overload. So you wouldn't want to take any supplements that contain iron. Um, if you're not really sure where you fall with iron, you can get some lab work done and check with a practitioner who knows your medical history and can make a recommendation around that. Yeah, that's a pretty easy test to get done. Um, I'm also going to jump in and add that iron can be super constipating. So if you already have an issue with that, then you're probably going to want to look for a multi without iron. Oh, yeah. Um, synthetic or natural forms. So more than 95% of the vitamins and supplements are in their synthetic form, isolated in a lab instead of natural forms, which are from food sources. Vitamins can have that natural label if they contain 10% or more of the natural form. So potentially, you could have 90% um, of the synthetic version in there, unless, of course, they're labeled 100% natural. That's like the big the label that drives me the most batty. Yep. Even Scott's always like, oh, it says all natural just to like get my goat. It means nothing. Exactly. It really, really doesn't. Um, and it does make sense that people would want the whole food versions because we know how beneficial whole foods are. 
Um, they're beneficial because of food synergy. And that refers to how all the different vitamins and minerals in a food interact with each other. Sometimes they can increase effectiveness or something or decrease something else. There are all these different phytochemicals that work together in the same way that we're really only beginning to start to understand how this all works. With synthetic vitamins, you're getting an isolated vitamin instead of all the other things that a whole food would also contain. Unfortunately, there is a limited number of studies out there comparing whole food versus synthetic vitamins. And there's also a limited um, amount of evidence showing that whole food versions are superior. But there is evidence noting that certain vitamins do have better effect in their natural form, like vitamin E, K, D, also looking for folate um, instead of the synthetic version folic acid. Um, that's a biggie if you're pregnant looking for prenatals. That's the one thing I, I always have folks look out for. Make sure it's folate and not folic acid. For sure. And even when you use whole foods to process vitamins, you still might not be getting some of the other benefits um, from that food, like some of the phytochemicals. Um, or you still, you'll still get some of those, but they're, they're not going to work in the same synergistic way um, that they would if you were eating the whole food. So ultimately, there isn't enough research to, to say you should only be buying whole food supplements. And if you do choose to buy those supplements, while they can have some benefits, just understand it's not going to be the same as eating the whole food. Um, Along those lines, uh, should, you, should the vitamins be in their active or inactive form? A lot of people believe that the active forms of vitamins are better than the inactive forms, especially for people with like the genetic variation. I keep going to MTHFR um, just because it's a popular one. <laughs> or, or even people with absorption issues because the active form will be metabolized better. But this isn't the case for every single person. The ingredients will list whether something's in its active form or inactive form, and you can easily find all the, the names of the active forms online. Um, but again, it, it doesn't apply to everyone. It, it wouldn't be you know an, required for everyone. Um, along those lines, does the multi contain minerals, and if so, are they chelated? Chelation is when you combine a mineral with an amino acid to make it more absorbable, which in most cases leads to increased bioavailability of the mineral. So again, it might be better for you know the elderly or people with digestive issues, people that need that extra support, not necessarily everyone, and it is going to probably cost more getting them in that form. Um, is one pill a day going to cut it? This might just meet the RDA. Or do you need multiple pills throughout the day, which um, may contain more um, above, amounts above the RDA, which could be good, good for compromised digestion, absorption, all that jazz. Um, you'd want to take the higher amounts in divided doses for optimal absorption. But just like everything, it doesn't mean that everyone needs to take the quantities above the RDA. Um, so really, multivitamins are just, they're very specific, you know, individualized. Um, also, does it come with tons of health claims, immunity, vision, cardiovascular, a bunch of different extras like probiotics and herbs? This can be super appealing, um, but they might not even contain therapeutic amounts of these bonus ingredients. And the more extras that are added, the greater risk for contamination and allergic reactions. So if you have a really sensitive patient that, and you want to take something, maybe don't take something that contains all of the things, um, or at least make sure that the quality and safety are being checked by a third party. And the more things that are added, the bigger the pill or the dose Ooh. will be. So I actually have a surprising amount of clients that don't like pills and or have a hard time swallowing pills. So this is something to consider as well. If you're buying a multi with all the things, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's not my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're going to do um, – if you can't do pills, you can try to do, like, liquid, powder, even chewable options, just make sure you read the ingredients for the chewable because sometimes I, they're, they contain a ton of sugar and other like funky ingredients. And I mean, it's not a gummy bear. 
It's, you know, it's a vitamin. I'm always shocked that the amount of adults that take their vitamins via gummies. I know. I, yeah, I know. I'm a recovering gummy bear addict, so I understand the appeal, but, you know. So do you have any specific brands that you like to use? Yeah. Uh, Pure Encapsulations, Metabolic Maintenance, Innate Response, Megafood, Thorn, Metagenics, Designs for Health, Douglas Labs, all of these will vary in the amount of pills and you have to take and how often you have to take them. I definitely like um, Megafood and Innate Response, the two two that you said. And I have to shout out Megafood because they're a New Hampshire-based company. Ooh, ooh. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yes. And so it's a really great company to support. They just do such a good job. And I'm pretty sure that they're 100% whole foods. They don't use any synthetic, at least at the time that I was working with them when I was uh, back at the health food store like many moons ago. Um so I would highly recommend them. It's a brand that I use myself and that I that I often recommend. But just keep in mind that since they are whole foods based, if you have a lot of food sensitivities, you might not want to choose a whole foods based supplement um, because you might not you might react to something and you might not know what it is. Uh, so just a heads up there. I do want to since we were talking about powders. Um, there's one that I personally haven't used, but it's a really well researched, uh, well studied. Um, uh, multivitamin powder. It's called Nutrients. Um, that's by the Caltons. So you can go ahead and Google search that. It's it's expensive, but it's like really kind of top of the line. Um, they they take into consideration all this synergistic stuff that Kyle and I have been talking about. So you might want to look into that, especially if you can't do pills. Yeah. That's awesome, especially such a good point about the the food sensitivities with all the food based supplements. So basically, like if you if you want to take a supplement, you it, it is really helpful to work with a practitioner who can really tailor recommendations to you instead of following just general recommendations, which might not be the best for you or worth your money. Um, and like Erin said, if you want to take something, just make sure there's a purpose to it uh, that's specific to your body and your needs. And if you can, that there's an exit strategy. So, all right. This was also from Sage and C. I saw your video about Thrive Market that you ordered amazing grass powder for your daughter. <laughs> it sounds like weed. It does. It does. Um, I'm pretty interested in that because it's the one way I can get my son to eat greens. How do you know if that's enough? And how does it compare to a multivitamin? Um, so I like this question. Um, because I so I did an Instagram story where I was unpacking my Thrive Market order, completely obsessed with Thrive Market, completely obsessed. And I pulled out um, it's amazing grass kids superfood. And the kind that I got is outrageous chocolate. Hattie loves it. To me, it tastes like chocolate and grass. Like I think it's gross, but she loves it. Um, so I just want to mention that it does the ingredients. Um, it's a bunch of greens powder and a lot of whole foods powder, like cherry, purple, grape, blueberry, apricot, you know, wheatgrass, carrot. It's just an awesome fruit and veggie blend. Um, it also has some fiber and some other good stuff. It does have cane sugar and organic soy milk added to it, um, as long, uh, along with some cocoa powder, obviously. Um, so heads up there, if you don't do soy, it, you know, for whatever reason, I wouldn't recommend this. And I'm not really overly concerned with the cane sugar, quite frankly, because there's two grams of sugar per serving. And, you know, Hattie doesn't really eat sugar anywhere else. So I think it's an awesome way to get some greens into your kiddo. And you said, uh, she, the question asked, um, what was it? Um, How do I know if that's yeah. enough? And yeah. I think if, if your kid's not eating any greens, then this is just a good way to get them in, you know? Like it's either, it sounds like it's either this or nothing else. So I think this is an awesome option. In terms of enough, I mean, I think you still want to try to promote as much variety as possible in your diet and in your kiddo's diet and just keep, you know, getting those veggies in or at least trying where you can. But I think this is a great a way to do it. Um, whether or not your kids eat fruits and, you know, eat veggies, I still think this is a good addition to them. Um, as far as does it re 
how does it compare to a multi? It's different than a multi because most multis aren't going to have that whole food based stuff. Um, it has some vitamin A, some vitamin C, some vitamin K, calcium, iron, and potassium, but pretty small amounts. So I don't think it would replace a multi, but just be conscientious of the fact that it does have some of those nutrients within it. Um, so if you're taking that and a multi, you might want to uh, go a little bit lower on the dose for the multi. That's kind of my my two cents on that. But it, Amazing Grass, they make awesome products and I highly recommend them for kids and adults. Cool. Boom. All right, next question. Nutrition Uprooted asks, how do you check for supplement safety, purity, efficacy, since there are so few regulations on supplements? And this is an awesome question. I think it's really necessary to talk about this, but I just think it's so funny that so many of us ask this question about supplements, but like nobody asks us about prescription drugs. <laughs> like, you know, it's like so kind true. of weird how crazy uh, we are about supplements. Um, but I'm yep. not not knocking the question because I think it's really important. Yeah. Great question. Um, and there's a lot of confusion around dietary supplements because the labels can kind of look like drugs. So it makes you think that they're all regulated by the FDA, but the FDA treats dietary supplements like food, not drugs. They're not looking to see if something works or it doesn't. They're paying attention to safety and identity. So making sure what's on the label is actually in the product. But the thing is, they aren't checking the products before they're sold. Their job is to take action against manufacturers or distributors after a product has hit the shelves and their concerns about safety and accuracy of the listed ingredients. It's the manufacturer and distributor's responsibility to be in compliance with the laws because the FDA, again, is not checking each product before it hits the shelf. So there's no approval process for dietary supplements. It's all up to the people making and distributing it to make sure the product is safe. GMP is a certification that the FDA, um, um, from the FDA, and it stands for Good Manufacturing Procedures. Everyone needs to comply with this criteria, but the audits are random. GMP regulates the identity of the, of the ingredients that are listed on the actual product, um, potency, safety, operation procedures, quality control, how a company handles consumer complaints, how they keep their records, um, how they test incoming products, um, the product when it's in process, and the final product, all to meet the claims on the label. I just want to butt in here and just make sure people understand that GMP is very different than USP. USP, mm -hmm. I've seen commercials. It's like a made-up thing that um, you know, like uh, supplement companies that are sold at like CVS and Rite Aid and Walmart. Um, some can like slap on the label, but it doesn't mean anything. Nothing. Oh my God. 10% natural. <laughs> um, <laughs> the FDA was, this is, this is surprising when I, when I learned this, but the FDA can only visit about 300 to 400 companies a year. So think of how many supplements there are and just, just a smidgen are getting visited. So, um, in school, we even learned that a past director of the Dietary Supplement Program at the FDA said 70% of audited companies were non-compliant with the GMP criteria. And again, companies don't have to prove their compliance unless they're audited. Um, can, you hear, can you hear the dogs in the background? I left the, I left the window no, open. No, I can't hear nothing. Okay, good. Um, so some of the problems they found were identity, so whether something contains what the label says it does, and whether there are other things found when they test it that shouldn't be there. Sketchy. Sketchy. Um, whether the amounts... Um, uh, no, the um, safety is another one. So imported supplements they might be contaminated with heavy metals or arsenic you know you might not want that um, <laughs> adulteration products containing banned ingredients or pharmaceutical drugs so some sketchy some sketchy things could be in there the good news is that there are some things you can do to make sure you're buying a quality product First, it's always helpful to do a drug-nutrient interaction checker to make sure supplements aren't interacting with other medications you might be on or any other supplements you're taking. Do consumers, I mean, I know that we have access to stuff like that, but is there like a just an online database you can go and check that? 
Uh, I know because I've been using the natural medicines and that you have to pay for. I, I would imagine that there there is. At the very least, you can go on like, I think it's like drugs.com. I used to use it like forever ago to check medications in the hospital. And it will list um, the contraindications and you could find some other medications and supplements in that. Um, uh, what else? Oh, look for brands that do, um, that test every batch because there is another option to that called skip batch testing, which is exactly how it sounds. So, um, you also want to avoid any obscure brands that you can find on the internet just for cheap. Um, so <laughs> the supplements that <laughs> I'm just thinking of like weird, sketchy things, like make your yeah. penis grow 87 <laughs> times. Exactly right. Exactly right. I'm going to order two um, just in case. Um, So there are supplements that do third-party certifications. Some of these, like I said, you're going to have to pay. Some of these are free. Consumer Labs, the Natural Medicines Database, which I mentioned, um, Office of Dietary Supplements will list recalls and warnings. The FDA Warning Letter Database PubMed, if you just wanted to get, you know, see research articles, um, Natural Center, National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health, and also NSF certified is another good seal that a product can have. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that. I was going to mention to be aware of the most risky supplements, which are for weight loss performance enhancement, (laughs) and sexual dysfunction because they have the highest risk for contamination and adulteration for unapproved ingredients being used. So, And this is even more of a concern if you're buying these supplements from some random online website um, because these are the categories that cause the most adverse effects. And ironically, they are also the fastest growing supplements on the market and the hardest to regulate for safety. Oh, sure. Because it's it's like preying on people's biggest insecurities. It takes a couple fake testimonials and then, I mean, for your weight loss magic pill and that's it. It's flying off the shelf. And sorry, um, your heart will never work again. <laughs> exactly. Whoops. Who wouldn't want an eight-hour erection? (laughs) So uh, anyways, um, the long and short of it is that you just kind of have to poke around a bit and maybe find like- Just got to poke around. Poke around, not what, yeah, I can't, not even going to say it. Um, Find like two or three quality The Grateful Dead, you sicko. (laughs) Oh, I am really sick. Um, Yeah. Okay, so find some good brands and stick with them. Anyways, next question. Scotty Morrow asked, can you chat about supplementing with omega-3s versus algae oil versus fish oil? Oh, no, wait. Omega-3s with algae oil versus fish oil. I'm nursing and taking algae because I get nervous about all the rancid fish oil talk and about overfishing, but I'm curious if the algae really is good enough. Is one more bioavailable to baby during pregnancy? All right. So I'm going to cover, she brings up a lot of good points with the whole omega-3 thing. So I'm going to kind of touch upon all of them as I, as I go through this, because I think this is, this is one of the biggest, more, more popular supplements. So I want to really pick get into good detail about it. And it's popular for good reason. It's um, there the studied health benefits that we know of lowers triglycerides, lowers blood pressure, reduces inflammation, improves vascular elasticity. So it's good for brain health. It's good for cardiovascular disease or prevent to prevent cardiovascular disease uh, amongst a, a bunch of other things. But you do want to be super, super careful about how you're sourcing your fish oil. This really matters here. I know where where you know we talked about sourcing and stuff, but I would say this is a this is a pretty important one um, because I see people getting fish oil at CVS or the supermarket, and I just cringe because DHA and EPA, which are the long chain polyunsaturated fatty acids in fish oil that give us those health protective benefits, they're especially susceptible to oxidation when exposed to light air and heat. And I won't go into good detail about this because I already did. Um, So check out episode three for more about why that's such a bad thing. But basically oxidized and rancid fats cause a lot of negative health issues. Uh, Fish oil supplements sold in the United States are shown to have high oxidation levels. 
above what's considered safe. So you, you that's a big deal. Um, and on top of that, there are issues with overfishing, like Scotty brought up. Uh, the, the recommended dose for fish oil is anywhere between one and three grams a day. And there just is no way to do that sustainably. Um, so when buying fish oil, you want to make sure that it's sourced, produced, and shipped in a certain way. And I really like Nordic Naturals brand. It's what I most often recommend. It's easy to find at local health food stores. You can also order it on Amazon. Um, and this is molecularly distilled fish oil, which which means it's produced in a non-oxygen system. So there's less chance of it going rancid. And these guys are very transparent about their quality practices. Their oil is not made with fish byproducts, which many other companies are. It's a way to bring down cost. Um, and they use sustainable fishing. So they're pulling from fish stocks that are not overfished. So if you are looking for a quality fish oil, I would definitely consider that one. But I also want to play devil's advocate here and say that fish oil might not be the panacea that, that we make it out to be. There are certainly studies that indicate too much of a good thing is just too much. And some people are even dosing higher than the recommended three grams. And that is just a lot of fish oil. And that can come with its own set of problems. So something else to consider is, is to just eat fish. Um, four servings a week. So that's four four ounce servings of cold water fatty fish and shellfish because shellfish also contains uh, omega-3s. Can They can provide you with all those health protective fatty acids and if you're eating whole fish, there's much less of a chance of it going rancid, right? So on top of that, whole fish contains nutrients that fish oil doesn't, things like protein, selenium, iron, and zinc. So it could potentially be back to that whole synergistic conversation that we had earlier. And if four servings of fish sounds like a lot of fish, you could think about adding sardines into your rotation. I know that people balk at this idea pretty frequently, actually, but it's such an inexpensive, sustainable, whole foods way to get those nutrients in. And I know that we all just want the easy way out. We want to walk into a drugstore and spend like 10 bucks on a bottle of fish oil that will last us for six months. But that <laughs> don't like make us live forever. But that's just not the answer. Um, so, you know consider all that. And you could also consider cod liver oil, which not only has the EPA and DHA that I talked about, but it also contains naturally occurring vitamin A and vitamin D. And about a teaspoon a day is a good place to start there. Um, and Nordic Naturals also makes a cod liver oil. So, um, so obviously none of those are going to be appropriate for vegans. So I want to move on to talk about some vegetarian sources of omega-3 because I see a lot of confusion and misinformation here. Flax oil. So oftentimes vegetarians and vegans will supplement with flax oil, walnuts, hemp seeds, chia seeds for their omega-3s. But it's super important to understand that they don't actually contain EPA and DHA those long chain fatty acids that provide the active health benefits. So the plant sources only contain the precursor, which is alpha linolenic acid or ALA. Um, and that needs to go through a series of reactions before it can be converted to EPA and DHA. And for most of us, unfortunately, that conversion rate is really, really low, like four to eight percent low. So really low. So those are not going to be your best bet for omega-3s. Um, and if you are relying on some of those sources for omega-3s, you just want to be sure that you're supporting those conversions with ample nutrients. So this is going to be vitamin B3, vitamin B6, vitamin C, zinc, and magnesium. So it might be a good, I know Kyle, you said one of the the populations of people that could consider a multi would be vegans and vegetarians. This is one of the reasons why. Um, and you also want to simultaneously reduce your consumption of omega-6 fatty acids, trans fats, and alcohol because it's actually going to further lower that, that conversion rate. Um, and then another option that Scotty brought up is algae oil, sometimes called algal oil. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, but the reason people are supplementing with this is because fish consume algae and then they concentrate the high amounts of EPA and DHA in their tissues. So algae oil is like going straight to the source. And the algae can be farmed, which answers that whole overfishing sustainability question of fish oil. 
So it's a nice way to work around that. Um, and there are studies that indicate that omega-3 from algae oil yield oils as effective and bioequivalent as the fatty acids found in cold water fish. Um, so it would appear that this is a good alternative for folks. And while I haven't seen a specific study on pregnancy, based on the studies I have seen, I would assume it would be a safe alternative for, for breastfeeding. Um, one thing to note here, you want to look out for carrageenan and other gums that are often added to algae oil. Unfortunately, the good quality options without these additives are pretty expensive. So just a heads up there. Cool. That all makes cool. sense. All right. Yeah. Holly asks, I'm curious on what the best brand of probiotics are. Okay. So, um, so probiotics can help with digestion, immunity, metabolism, even mood, just to name a few. So first up, there's a lot of different reasons for taking a specific strain, but you'd probably need to work with a practitioner to help you decide if there's a strain that would work best for you. If there isn't a reason to take a specific one, taking a multi-strain broad spectrum is a good idea because all the different species will have different effects and contribute to creating this optimal balance of bacteria in the gut. Even though, spoiler alert, we, we don't actually know what that optimal balance is <laughs> yet. <laughs> so we're just shooting for the stars. Um, when looking for a brand, look for companies that test every batch instead of skip batch testing. Good brands will also have research behind their use of specific strands and ensure that their products contain live microorganisms. Um, generally, higher potency is better, somewhere between 1 to 20 billion CFU, which stands for um, colony forming units, is about average, with the high potency containing up to 900 billion um, and low potency containing anywhere from 1 to 10 billion. I will say if you're having a lot of GI issues, um, the best is to start low and go slow. Um also, some of these, some of the probiotics might need to be refrigerated, but others are shelf stable. Neither is necessarily better um, than the other. So just follow the recommendations for storage on the bottle. And uh, for brands, Jaro, Designs for Health, Claire Labs, Innate Response, Prescript Assist, those are some good brands. Erin, um, what are your favorites? So one thing about Prescript Assist, so I used to use that and I would recommend it also to my clients, but they have recently, like this past year, changed. And so um, I don't recommend it anymore based on the the changes that they've made. But no I, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do like a few, th I like a few that you said, Jaro, uh, Claire Labs, I, those are two that I use, but um, some other ones that are more broad spectrum and, and quite frankly very potent are custom probiotics and then primal probiotics so that's primal probiotics is another so, um, soil based um, probiotic that could replace or be used instead of prescript assist so if you use that and you like that you could tr check out primal probiotics but the, the they're, the, those are pretty expensive I know the one that I buy is like a hundred dollars a bottle which um you know, for someone that's that's dealing with some severe gut stuff, might might really be worth it. But to your point, I think the more the more strains, the better. Unless unless you're looking for you know you're targeting a specific health uh, problem, I would say the more strains, the better, because we don't want to just keep putting the the same strains in over and over and over, because that's what we're gonna ask our our you know we're gonna start to colonize, and we want as much variety as possible. So in addition to probiotics, we want to make sure that you're eating plenty of fermented foods and plenty of prebiotic fibers as well. So that's kind of that. Um, Devin Delaney did write in. I want to give her a shout out because she had a bunch more questions about sub specific supplements for the gut. And I'd love to eventually get to that on the show, but it probably won't happen for a while. So in the meantime, I if you guys have more questions along these lines with supplementation for the gut, I want to send you over to my online home study gut workshop. I talk about the gut for two and a half hours, and I also go over specific supplements that are really beneficial to that. And I'll link to that in the show notes. It's available for purchase on my website. Um, it's so good. 
So good. Such good information. I mean, I, I know you're not going to toot your own horn, so allow me to toot it for you. <laughs> it's so good. I watched all two and a half hours. I will be watching it again. It's just so cool to be able to like, you know, you hear someone talk about all the workshops they do. And unless you live in New England, you know, it's it can be a bummer. You know, you want to go, but you can't. So this is a perfect way of doing that. Thank you. That's so funny that you watched it. All right. <laughs> Holly also asked, um, my pee turns neon yellow when I take my B complex. Am I even absorbing it? Well, this one's an easy one. So the, the yellow is from the B vitamins. It's it's from the B2, um, which is riboflavin. And that is normal. So B vitamins are water soluble. So you're going to absorb what you need and what you can. And then you're just going to pee out the rest. So totally cool. Um, next, Megan asked, I would love to know more about supplements that can be taken to help with anxiety. I've taken L-theanine, uh, but that is the only one I'm aware of and would be interested in learning about others. P.S. Love the podcast, Erin and Kyle, forever. Forever. Love that. So this is a timely question, isn't it, Kyle? Mm-hmm. Oh, I went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to my doctor last week. Um, convinced I was having a heart attack. And he's like, so this is anxiety. This is anxiety. I'm like, <laughs> okay, noted. But you know what? Before I go on, I want to give a shout out to this doctor, Dr. Pangan in Exeter, New Hampshire. Holy smokes. We kind of um, t- ripped into doctors a little bit last, last uh, show. And this guy did all the right things. He listened to me talk for 45 minutes. He pulled out a notepad it was taking notes of what I was saying, like asking me my brother's names, like like looking me in the eye, not looking at a computer. It was amazing. He's so wonderful. He's the best. I love him. All right. So <laughs> That's awesome. not not all doctors are, you know, are rat finks. I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> it's the system. It's not the doctors. Anyway. Right. Okay. So let's get to the question. I have some experience with uh, supplementing for anxiety. I got debilitating panic panic attacks in my early 20s. And I had a psychologist who put me on Xanax. And I had, you know, without telling me how addictive addictive it was, without telling me that you can't drink with it or you black out. Um, it was an interesting year. My, 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 early, my early 20s were an interesting time. Uh, so, and then I eventually had to wean myself off of these drugs. And holy mother of God, was that hard. You basically go through like all the panic all over again. So just a heads up there. Um, I think it is if you have the opportunity to try some natural alternatives, like definitely try that first, in my opinion. But first, before diving into the supplements, I think it's really important to ask where the anxiety is coming from in the first place. Is there something in your life that needs to be examined? Because quite frankly, if you know, if, if anxiety is there, it's, it's sometimes an indication, you know, it's sometimes a message for us, right? Like what's going on? Um, but you also need to look at your diet. How is it? Is your blood sugar regulated? Are you eating enough calories? Are you eating enough protein and fat? Are you eating too many refined and processed carbohydrates? Are you too low carb and maybe need to add more starches? Do you have unrealized food sensitivities? How is your caffeine intake? What's going on with your hormones? What about cortisol? How's your thyroid functioning? So you kind of get the picture. Getting to the bottom of where the anxiety is coming from can be really helpful to dictate how to approach it and with what supplement. And I would say always tweak food first or at least in tandem with supplements. I think the best two places to start with food are to cut out all processed foods because certain food additives can contribute to anxiety in some people. And then make sure you're eating adequate protein and fat. And you can go back to episode two um, to look at some specific fats to include in your diet. So um, keep in mind that I'll mention some specific supplements to try, but one supplement may work great for someone and then not so great for someone else. So you really do have to try different things to see what works for you. And there really is no one cure-all despite what some folks would have you believe. I think somebody tries a supplement and it works great for them. So then they tell everybody about it and then somebody else tries it and it's like not the same effect. And they're like, well, what's wrong with me? But just understand these things really do uh, work on a pretty individual basis. So 
I'm going to talk, there, there is so many different supplements and herbs that can potentially help with anxiety, but I'm going to talk about the ones that I've had good luck with and, and experience with. And I'll start off with phosphatidylserine because this was a game changer for me. Um, so phosphatidylserine is a phospholipid that's found in all plasma membranes, including the brain. It's involved in neurotransmitter sig signaling, excuse me. And it can also increase BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factors, which promotes neurogenesis. Um, so there's a huge impact on this, uh, on the brain. It can also help to lower cortisol and support stress pathways in the brain by rebalancing high cortisol. So at the time that I was taking this, and I still take, this is something I take every day, every night actually, um, I had high cortisol and this just made such an immediate and profound effect in my anxiety. So it, it can also act as an antidepressant. There was a cool study that, was, that looked at geriatric depression um, with some really, really good results. And these folks in the study were taking 100 milligrams of phosphatidylserine three times a day. So 300 milligrams in all, just to give you some, some dosing um, perspective. And they were also taking that with uh, DHA as well. I personally take 100 milligrams um, at night, and I get some pretty good results with that, and that's one soft gel. So two, two that I like, they're both soft gels. One is from Jero, and one is from Integrative Therapeutics. I, I found them both to be pretty effective. There's also the option of doing liposomal cream that you can apply topically. And I think I'm going to actually try that next because um, a practitioner told me that if the, the soft gels stop working for you, you can you can get that uh, that cream to just like rub on yourself. So anyway, check that out. Um, there is also another, there was an herbal blend, uh, excuse me, herbal blend that my naturopath gave me because she wanted just to like break the cycle of anxiety. And that can be, you know, for those of us who have suffered with anxiety, we kind of know that like once, once we can stop it and we know that we have something to stop it, it almost just alleviates some of the anxiety in and of itself. And so this particular blend, it's called um, Phytocalm by Professional Formulas, but I'll read some of the herbs in it in case you can't find that exact blend, but there's passionflower, St. John's wort, Avena sativa, uh, valerian, skullcap, chamomile, and schisandra. So all of those herbs are really calming, and um, you could take any of those individually. You can take them in teas, um, so those are some to think about. And then I got a shout out to CBD oil. I personally don't know a ton about it, but Kyle interviewed, um, why don't you, why don't you, I interviewed the um, owner of uh, Will Osseroff of Blue Ridge Hemp, which is a CBD company in Asheville. And um, you guys talked mostly about topical use, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you could try that. You could also try taking it internally. And I just, I started this uh, like about a week, week and a half ago. And the, the particular one I have is Charlotte's Web, but there are plenty out there. Um, I've had clients tell me they've had some really, really awesome luck with taking CBD oil for anxiety, um, sleep, uh, migraines. I'm trying to take it for inflammation because I'm having an autoimmune flare to see if I can calm the inflammation. And I, I think I do. I mean, it definitely relaxes me. It definitely does. So you could check that out. And then finally, I um, you could you could tinker around with adaptogens a little bit. There's uh, Aviva Ram. She's a a medical doctor and herbalist that I love. She has a blend with Herb Farm called, there's, there's three different ones. There's Adrena Soothe, Adrena Nourish, and Adrena Uplift. And I really, really like those blends. You could pick one that, that sounds the most appropriate for you. Um, About the, um, in the herbal blend that you got uh, to break the cycle, the St. John's Wort, just that is 100% um an herb that you are going to want to find a drug um, nu f nutrient interaction checker for that because that's that can have a lot of interactions with things, a lot of different medications, St. John's wort. So if you're taking other supplements or you're taking medications and you want to start taking St. John's wort, just double check that first. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good. <laughs> wow, he seconds that. <laughs> <He's> like... 
<laughs> that is such a good point. And, you know, really with any – if. If you're on an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety, I would just cross-reference all supplements you throw on top of that, you know, for sure, because you just don't know the interplay inside your body. All right, enough of that. Let's move on. Brittany asks, it's Brittany. No, never mind. I'm going to say it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's so hard. I get it. Uh, (laughs) Biotin for helping with hair loss and hair thinning from an IUD. Ugh. I will take this one because Lord knows I have had my hair loss issues. (laughs) Um, It's hard to address hair loss because it can be kind of a wild goose chase. Is it the gut? Is it your hormones? Is it a deficiency in something? I mean, do I think taking biotin can help with your hair loss? Maybe. Um, You can certainly try it. A lot of times, though, it, it is just kind of a Band-Aid for something um, rather than figuring out what's actually causing you to lose the hair in the first place. So I wouldn't count on it being a magic pill. But again, if you want to try it, you definitely can do that and then see if you get any results with it. Um on the topic of IUDs, if you're using a copper IUD, it's good to understand that copper and zinc are antagonists, which means they compete with each other for binding sites. Too much zinc can lead to a copper deficiency. Too much copper, like from your copper IUD, can lead to a zinc deficiency. Um, so a zinc deficiency can cause hair loss. So if you do have a copper IUD and you're having hair loss, Um, It would be worth having your levels checked to see if you're low on zinc, especially since the IUD isn't going anywhere and you're just going to continue to have this, you know, source of copper in you. So I think it would be beneficial to get, you know, maybe some baseline levels and and check that annually. Um, Also, like if you're if you're not using a copper IUD, consider your gut health. If there's any other hormonal or thyroid issues going on, are you anemic? Is this the only symptom or complaint that you have? Um, It could be from heavy metals. It could be from nutrient deficiencies. Either way, um, if it continues, meet with a practitioner who can start to pick apart some of these possibilities and figure out what's going on. I will say a dermatologist is probably not going to be that person for you. Um, They are going to be able to keep things kind of like very surface level. They might say, oh, you have alopecia or, or here's, here's a shampoo that you can start using. Use it as long as it works. Um, so you, you really, for something like this, um, it's that tip of the iceberg. You really want someone who's going to work to figure out what's, what's underneath the water and what's really causing it to happen. Um, and oddly enough, Erin, you just saw, you told me you saw a sign in your doctor's office about stopping supplements that contain biotin for 24 hours before you have any lab work done because it can actually affect thyroid labs, folate, and some other labs. So that was really interesting to note. Yeah, when I was having my fake heart attack, I noticed that sign. Exactly. <laughs> just managed to take a picture of it. <laughs> um Okay, so Nicole7 asked, um, is it safe to take vital proteins, collagen peptides while breastfeeding? I've asked numerous people, including my doctor, and have gotten mixed messages. It's no different than drinking bone broth, right? So it is different than drinking bone broth. Uh, Bone broth is a whole food, whereas collagen is a processed and refined product derived from a whole food. And I, I just make that distinction because just because a product is promoted and widely used by the real food community does not mean that it's automatically a whole food. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I happen to use and love collagen. I just want to be clear here. It doesn't, you know, just because something comes from a whole food doesn't doesn't mean it's a whole food. So there is a distinction between bone broth and collagen. Um, and it kind of grinds my gears a little bit that people are promoting collagen being like, it's the same, same thing as bone broth. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it like grinds my gears. <laughs> it really grinds my gears. I'm like pushing up my glasses like on the top of my nose. Um, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't con- consume it while breastfeeding. I actually see... A lot of moms consuming protein powders with like all the things while breastfeeding. Um, you know, we already did an episode on Shakeology and Isogenic, so I'm not going to go into it here. But those are kind of the products that I'm talking about. And, and that's not something I would personally be comfortable with. So I think it's a good way to – collagen is a good way to get in protein without all the other added stuff that 
that often comes along with other protein powders. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing to note that collagen can contain high levels of calcium. So that's just something to be conscientious of. And keep in mind that uh, collagen peptides, collagen powder, are derived from the collagen in cows. So it's not a vegetarian protein. Although if you're a vegetarian listening and you're open to adding some animal products, then this is a really good option for you because it's going to provide you with some amino acids that you're probably not getting in your diet. And just make sure you're looking for grass-fed, pasture-raised. Two brands that I like are Vital Proteins and Great Lakes. Um, Collagen is pretty popular now, um, and it's promoted to help with skin the joints, the gut, and it certainly can do this, but I want to be crystal clear that if you're having joint pain or digestive trouble, then simply adding in collagen probably won't help. You really do need to take a whole body approach, but I think it's a good addition to an overall healthy diet and lifestyle. And just like what I said about fish oil, I think we can overdo anything. So we don't need to mainline the stuff, but I do think it's a great option for protein powder and one of the closest things that you'll get to whole foods in terms of a protein powder. Um, just one distinction. I want to, I want to make sure people stay away from bone broth powder. Uh, it's different than collagen and there's been a lot of bone broth powders on the market that have been, uh, that have found, have been found to have some contaminants, like bad contaminants in it. So you don't want to do that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right. Abigail from Instagram asked, Hi, Erin. I love your podcast and listen to every episode. I was wondering, can you guys do a podcast on supplements? Yes. Yes, Abigail, we can. (laughs) Pre-workout, protein, collagen, all the extra stuff you see fitness people taking and whether it's healthy or absorbed into the body or not. Thanks for your time. All right. So the whole fitness thing, it's not really... Kyle and my wheelhouse. Um, it's nope. it's just not the population that we necessarily work with. So I'm going to answer this under the lens of my practice and the type of women that I'm seeing in my practice and the type of women that are coming through my Fueled and Fit programs and just what I have experience with. Now, I already talked about collagen. So th- these are my thoughts on pre-workouts, which are supplements that you take before exercise. They're designed to increase your energy and your endurance, and they almost always contain caffeine or some other stimulant. And then they have some other ingredients added to them, often creatine, arginine, synthetic B vitamins, which Kyle already talked about why those are a problem, Um, artificial sweeteners, added flavors, kind of yucky stuff. And these supplements give you what I call false energy. They provide the sensation of feeling more energized and potentially more capable than you actually are. So In my opinion, supplements like these can take you out of sync with your body's signals and can push you beyond your actual capabilities. And remember that I'm seeing lots of folks with burnout and stress and adrenal fatigue, and these people really should not be pushing themselves. So the way that I see it is if you need artificial energy to fuel your workout, that's a problem. If you're bonking during a workout, there's there's a reason for it. So you need to figure out that reason. Um, maybe you're not getting enough good quality sleep. Maybe there are stressors in your life that are taking a physical toll. Maybe you're not eating enough. So masking these symptoms with a supplement doesn't make them go away. It just makes them more likely to showcase themselves louder and harder somewhere further further on down the road. And, you know, I do see this as an issue for many women. They're running around exhausted. And then rather than figure out where they can take a step back in their life, they instead rely on some exogenous form of energy, whether that's coffee or a supplement. But it does have the potential to make the problem worse. So if you have a need for a product like this or you feel you have a need for a product like this, chances are there's a bigger issue at play that needs to be looked at. And Some of these products, keep in mind, might also suppress your appetite, which I would not recommend. Um, So if you're in the whole fitness world and like beast mode is your goal, you need to feed the beast. So you don't want an an appetite suppressant at all. Um, If you are into hearing more stuff about this, I would recommend checking out a blog that I wrote a few years back called Are You Making These Workout Fuel Mistakes? I'll link to it in the show notes, but... um, I basically go into this in a little little bit more. So that that might be a good uh, blog for you to check out, Abigail. 
One thing I want to mention since I am talking about pre-workout, if you if you are eating well, if you're sleeping well, if you're overall taking care of yourself and none of what I said just said applies to you and you truly are looking for a way to enhance your workout with a whole foods based product, especially one that doesn't have any weird ingredients, you can check out Roots Nutrition Paleo Energizing Superfood Blend. Um, That contains plants and herbs that provide sustained energy and proper nutrients for high-intensity exercise. So it's stuff like yerba mate, ginseng, shisandra, matcha. So it does have some caffeine in it. It does have some adaptogens. It is going to modulate your energy. So again, it's not appropriate for somebody that with exhaustion and burnout and adrenal fatigue and somebody that's just like trying like trying to push themselves so they can crank out more stuff. But but generally generally safe for um somebody that's healthy. And if you um if you go to their website and buy it, you can use Aaron Holt Health, the code Aaron Holt Health and receive 10% off your order. And that's roots with a Z, y'all. Roots. Roots with a Z. I got no roots. <laughs> um, That's a song that we like in my family. All right. That's all the questions. I mean, that's over an hour. So I think we kind of have to call it, even though we do... Call it and keep those questions coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few more supplement questions that we didn't get to that we'll hopefully get to in a, in a future episode. But yeah, keep the questions coming. We love hearing from you guys. And I need to go take a nap now. I need to make dinner. So see y'all later. Bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.